strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Hey, welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Jen. And I'm Robin. So, Robin, tonight I'm going to tell you my hometown ghost story. Ooh, what is it? It's the story of the Bell Witch. I know nothing about the Bell Witch. Which is weird, because it's been on pretty much every ghost hunting show. So I've watched so many. It is <laughs> one of the most well-known hauntings in history. Really? Yeah. Where, where about in Tennessee is it from? So it comes from an area in Robertson County, which is north, central, west. So we're talking a little closer to the Kentucky border, north of Nashville, but more west towards Missouri. Got it. All right. I grew up in Clarksville, Tennessee, which mm-hmm. is on the Kentucky border. You've been there. It's about 40 miles north of Nashville. So growing up, this is a huge deal for me. They taught this in our history class. In third grade, you took- I'm sorry. They taught this in your history class? Oh, yeah. In third grade, we did the Tennessee history class. We had a very specific book that we got that was our state's history. Did you guys have that here in New Jersey? No. We, so we, gave a, we were given a giant book of world history, but here- It's just it. world history. So in like third or fourth grade, we got like Tennessee history section, or maybe it was the whole year, I forget. And we got this like hardbound blue book and it was the history of Tennessee. Tennessee has a very proud history. I think that the only thing that I actually remember, I'm, I'm flashback right now, where I remember my teacher telling me about the urban legend of the New Jersey devil. That's it. We had a draw New Jersey and then we talked about the, the New Jersey devil. That's yeah. It. Hey man, not 100% sure. I'm jealous. We had a lot of intense Tennessee history, but hey. We're Southern. We're a little eccentric. Love it. Learned this in elementary school. Serious base in my life. Probably the first ghost story I ever heard. This is (laughs) my hometown ghost story. I love it. That's great. Okay. And I have been researching this for hours and (laughs) hours and hours. And I knew 70% of it. And I was real proud that I knew that much. But there's a solid 30% that I was like, I had no fucking clue that happened. Anyway, this one's for you, Carrie. Here we go. In 1804, John Bell moved his family along with 11 other families from North Carolina. They gathered themselves up. They created a little wagon train. They headed on over the Appalachian Mountains. You know how I feel about a wagon train. I mean, we've been there, done that. Donner party all day. Donner party all night. During their travels, they experienced what is known as brown mountain lights, which is gas or lights that will shoot up from the ground and go into the sky. So it's like methane pockets, essentially. (laughs) Okay. But in 1804, who who knows what it is? But it sort of sets the stage for the time that they're living in, that they're doing this traveling from North Carolina to Tennessee. One of the first things they kind of encounter is this creepy lights in the mountains when they're traveling. So in 1810, there was a comet that appeared in the sky, and it remained in the sky nightly until December of 1811. And in December 1811, the largest earthquake to ever hit the continental United States was felt. In Tennessee, it was centered in New Madras, Missouri, and it was so strong that it rang church bells in Boston. Wow. It was so strong, in fact, that it caused the Mississippi River to flow backwards and create an entire lake known as Real Foot Lake in Tennessee. Is that a lake still today? It is. It is a lake still today. Is that the one that overflowed? No. Oh. So... 
the you know the comet was a bad omen in christianity they see the mm-hmm. light in the sky not into that so oh, yeah also sort of creepy business that's happening it's like a weird time an earthquake that was so strong it created a fucking lake so and then in 1816 a volcano in indonesia erupted and it blew millions of tons of ash into the sky and into the atmosphere which caused 1816 to be known as the year without a summer animals starved and crops died so it's just sort of a little bit of what's going on in the 10 or so years that after they moved so they move in 1804 and in the next 12 years all of these like really intense weird astrological astronomical sort of seemingly paranormal things are happening around right so just sort of sets the stage of sort of what these people living in you know a very small community in rural tennessee So, the Bell family, along with 11 other families, moved from North Carolina to Robertson County, Tennessee, where they purchased 320 acres of rich, fertile land along the Red River. So, not only was he a farmer, but he was also a cooper, which is a barrel maker. And so, for the first 13 years that they resided there on the farm in Robertson County, Tennessee, things went basically status quo. You know, they joined the church, they hung out, him and his questionably young wife, how question like really 12 to 18 depending on where you read she may have been 12 when they got married and probably somewhere in the vicinity of 15 to 19 when they moved to tennessee anyway when she became public she like came out of her house no i don't know so for the first 13 years things were like pretty cool they lived a peaceful existence they attended the local church where john bell the Patriarch of the family was a deacon. Most of the records from that time period actually come from the Red River Baptist Church. They have these extensive records. So people have used those historically to corroborate the story. There is a main story that has a lot to do with the story that's coming up. One of the families that moved there with them was named the Batts family. So apparently when they moved to Tennessee, you know, John Bell bought a slave girl from Benjamin Batts for $100. But because she was so young, he didn't take possession of her immediately. He allowed her to stay with her mother until she was of an age that he could receive her as oh, as hired as like hired working help sure right so but when it came time for him to actually get her benjamin bass was like hey buddy no decided i'm not selling her she's actually worth more so you can either give me this money but he already paid for her but he had already paid for her so it turned into this very intense squabble that went on throughout the community in the end they reached a settlement in which Benjamin Batts actually paid John Bell $120 to get her back. So he bought her back from him. My question was like, why? You think Uh it was his daughter? I don't know. Just thoughts. Anyway, that's completely uncorroborated. There's absolutely no evidence to that except my like weird brain working. But Benjamin Batts, after all of that, so John Bell got money back plus $20. The girl never came to John Bell. But Benjamin Batts still went to the courthouse and filed a lawsuit against John Bell. And this created such a stir and made a, a craziness within their community that John Bell was actually excommunicated from their church. Oh. So that's sort of a little bit of a backstory. But like, but why? Who knows? There's some more creeper business going on exactly. there. I'm not sure what. There's some really <clears throat> crazy shit going on behind the scenes. Come 1817, hard stop. John Bell's excommunicated from the church. Now the shit hits the fucking fan. 
So, in the summer of 1817, members of the family started to see strange animals on the property. One animal was said to have the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit. And John Bell and his friends went after it to try to kill it. And when he shot it, it actually disappeared in front of his eyes. What? They also experienced disturbances at night where they would hear knocking on doors and the outer walls of the house. Then the noises moved indoors. They heard the sound of rats gnawing on bedposts but never found the rats that caused the noise, the sound of chains being dragged throughout the house and down the stairs, the sounds of rocks being dropped on the wooden floors throughout the house, and the sound of a choking, gulping person gasping for air. For the next year, they kept the family's terror private. They told no one. They just were like, this is fucked up. This is weird. We don't know what's going on. They told nobody. Finally, John confided in his neighbor, James Johnson. He is actually part of one of the families that moved there with them. This whole area is sort of populated with the people who moved all together, this yeah. ele- these 11 families. He told the family, uh, James and his wife, about the things that were going on in their house and invited them to stay the night. Because he was like, I know you're not going to believe me. This shit's crazy. You should come stay. Oh, no. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Trying to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. (laughs) Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. So he invites the family to come <laughs> stay. The night that they decided to stay, of course, they had many experiences. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yo, this shit's fucking crazy. Yeah, no shit. Okay. You got to tell everyone. <laughs> this is nuts. This is fucking batshit. I don't know what's going on here, but chains are rattling. People are pulling like my sheets off. I'm getting pinched. I'm getting poked. My hair is getting tied to the bedposts. What? Bad biscuits. Wow. We need to tell everyone. Hair tied to the bedposts? Yes. So eventually a group formed and began to do an investigation. Before long, people were coming from miles around to hear and witness this unseen force that was terrorizing the bells. From the book, The History of Tennessee, by Albert Virgil Goodpasture, which was published in 1886. This is a quote. A remarkable occurrence which attracted widespread attention was connected to the family of John Bell, who settled near what is now Adams Station in 1804. So great was the excitement that people came from hundreds of miles around to witness the manifestations of what was popularly known as the Bell Witch. The witch was supposed to be some spiritual being having the voice and attributes of a woman. It was invisible to the eye, Yet it would hold conversation and even shake hands with certain individuals. The freaks it performed were wonderful and seemingly designed to annoy the family. It would take the sugar from the bowls, spill the milk, take the quilts from the beds, slap and pinch the children, and then laugh at the discomfort of its victims. At first, it was supposed to be a good spirit. 
but its subsequent acts, together with the curses with which it supplemented its remarks, proved the contrary. A volume might be written concerning the performance of this wonderful being, as they are now described by contemporaries and their descendants. So that's that was all written from like a history of Tennessee book in like the late 19th century, 1886. All right. So like, okay. this is like fucking history of Tennessee. There is one book that is referenced as gospel when it, whenever you talk about this case, and that is the work by M.V. Ingram, and it's An Authenticated History of the Bell Witch, which was published in 1894. And so the big story that you'll hear whenever you talk about the Bell Witch, and they try to like, when you're talking about like, its legitimacy, they bring up the fact that General Andrew Jackson actually went to investigate. Oh, so this is from that book. Mm -hmm. General Jackson's party came from Nashville with a wagon loaded with a tent, provisions, etc., bent on a good time and much fun while they investigated the witch. The men were riding on horseback and were following along in the rear of the wagon as they approached near the place, discussing the matter and planning on how they were going to do up the witch. Just then, traveling over a smooth, level piece of road, the wagon halted and stuck fast. The driver popped his whip, whooped and shouted to the team, and the horses pulled with all their might but could not move the wagon an inch. It was dead stuck as if welded to the earth. General Jackson commanded all men to dismount and put their shoulders to the wheels and give the wagon a push, but all was in vain. It was a no-go. The wheels were then taken off one at a time and examined and found to be all right, revolving easily upon their axles. General Jackson, after a few moments, thought, Realizing that they were in a fix, threw up his hands, exclaiming, By the eternal, boys, it is the witch. Then came a sound, a sharp metallic voice from the bushes, saying, All right, General, let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight. The men in bewildered astonishment looked in every direction to see if they could discover from whence the strange voice had come, but could find no explanation to the mystery. The horses then started unexpectedly of their own accord, and the wagon rolled along as lightly and smoothly as ever. That's really... <laughs> oh, God. So that's, like, the big story. Yeah. So the one daughter, her name is Betsy. She is one of the major players in this scenario. Okay. Hi, she Betsy. is the Hi. Hey, Betsy. She's the daughter of John. So Betsy Bell. So this is a continuation of Jackson's night on the farm. So he's there on the farm. He's staying the night with them. And he... Betsy Bell, which is the daughter of John Bell, is screaming all night from the pinching and slapping she's receiving from the witch. And Jackson's covers were being ripped off as quickly as he could put them back on. And he had his entire party of men uh, who claimed that they had been slapped and pinched and they had had their hair pulled by the witch until morning. Then Jackson and his men decided to hightail it out, out of Adams, the town it's in now, is Adams, Tennessee. Jackson was later quoted as saying, I'd rather fight the British in New Orleans than have to fight the Bell Witch another night. It's funny how they call it the Bell Witch because it's it's them. It's it's their last name, but yeah, they're calling it the Bell Witch because oh, it's, it's in their home. Wait for What's it. What's going on? Okay. It's coming. Eventually, the force gained so much strength that it actually developed a voice. But when asked who it was, it gave different identities. Okay. But at one time, the voice said that it was the Witch of Kate Bats, a neighbor woman. And from then on, she was known as Kate the Bell's Witch, like the B-E-L-L -L mm -hmm. mm -hmm. apostrophe witch, mm -hmm. like the witch of the Bell family. Got it. So that's kind of. So Kate Batts was actually a neighbor of John's with whom he had had some shady business dealings involving some purchased land and maybe some purchased slaves um, that left a 
good deal of animosity between the two. She felt that she had been wronged, and upon her deathbed, she claimed that she would make John Bell and his family pay. Kate Batts was an eccentric, ill-tempered woman who was outspoken and brazen. She ran the operations of her family's farm after her husband had died, which was very outlandish at that time. Women did not run business. They did not run the farms. She was a ballsy bitch, Mm -hmm. right? So it was also said that she would travel with three slaves and a horse, but she would never ride the horse. She would just like bring the horse along with her. And that she would always show up late to church and she would come in really loudly. And there's All right, there's a point, there's a difference. So you know, if she's you wanna a little sassy. If you wanna show yeah. control over your own home and your environment is different. Go to church. Be respectful. Like she was not a church goer. Don't you know It doesn't seem that she was the most respectful of women. <laughs> just throwing it out there. So there's tons of stories about her. You can get into the Kate Bats stories about her sitting on people and like real foolishness, but yeah. it's irrelevant. Ideally, at the end of the day, she was a woman in the town that they attributed to the attributes of the witch or the spirit that haunted the Bell family. Whether that was based on just blatant sexism of the time and her being such a bold and brazen woman to actually say to a man that he had fucked her over and done her wrong in business to be so ballsy as to actually confront him if it was based on that or if it was truly some other thing because it was said by the people in town that she practiced witchcraft whether that's i mean we know that throughout history women who are single you know and are tough are accused of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So Especially I'm not. Witchcraft. Yeah, I'm not too. Yeah. I'm not too on the board with this one. Like I'm sort mm-hmm. of like, yeah, I don't fucking buy this shit. Anyway, but so some believe that she practiced witchcraft, but it seemed that Kate, quote unquote, had two main reasons for vi- visiting the Bells. One was outright to kill John Bell, and the other was to keep the Bells' daughter Betsy from marrying the neighbor boy Joshua Gardner. Over the next three years, from 1817 to 1820, the Bells were relentlessly terrorized. John and his daughter Betsy received the most abuse. Betsy had her hair pulled, tied in knots to the bedpost, and was pinched, scratched, stuck with pins, and was beaten. She would be slapped, and people could actually see the handprints that were visible on her face. They would hear it, and then they would see it. But supposedly the spirit liked John's wife, Betsy's mother, Lucy Bell. Uh, When she was sick with pleurisy, the spirit would actually sing her gospel songs and would drop hazelnuts on her bed for her. Yeah. So, was a a big fan of the wife, the, like, child bride. Hated the husband and the daughter. Whatever reason. Wanted John dead. Didn't want Betsy to marry this dude. That's where we're at. But she also, like, uh, it can't be a... um she loved women more than anything because poor Betsy. No, was, she was fucked getting, her over. Yeah, pretty much the worst. So it can't. It can't be that. It can't be like, oh, well, I appreciate women more because of my. It's just not that simple. Just not that simple. All right. So, so John began suffering from spells of swelling of the throat, and often felt like he had a stick stuck in his throat. In other stories, you'll actually hear that he had some sort of an illness or an episode that happened while he was caring for the pigs that seems a lot like he had a stroke and had difficulty swallowing after. Yeah. So just keep that in mind, ideally there. So these episodes were followed by twitching of the facial muscles 
And during these spells, Kate would blast him with curses and threats. So, you know, as a medical person, I'm like, oh, like if he had a hemorrhagic stroke, maybe he would lose some ability to swallow. Or maybe he would have suffer seizures Mm -hmm. afterwards that would have like twitching elements. It was supposed that this woman, this female voice would actually be cursing him the whole time that he would be having these spells. Fuck you, John Bell. I'm going to kill you. I mean, not that, but you know, something like (laughs) that. It's weird though, because it's, it's kind of like she knew when his episodes were going to begin. From the legend and the history, she was there and she spoke during them. Yeah. Yeah. Spitting curses at him while he sees. That's convenient. (laughs) No, I mean, you know, so, Just so you guys know, Robin and I probably actually have like the deepest roots of our friendship in our absolute love for the TV show Ghost Hunters. (laughs) So, but we're both actually pretty bad, wild skeptics. It takes really compelling evidence for us to believe, I would say. Like Mm -hmm. it's, we are not going to just believe any story. It takes compelling evidence and quite honestly, our own senses to experience it before we believe it. So even reading the story, this is a story I grew up with. And I will tell you this story. I have I have personal stories of this place. And I still cannot yeah. tell you I can't wait to 100% your, your how I feel about stories, them. Yeah. Eh, they're not that good. Anyway, <laughs> they're all right. So John Bell became weaker and weaker over time. So we're talking like fall 1820. During the times that he was sick in bed, the witch would poke and prod him and never allow him to rest. One morning, he was found senseless with an empty bottle of black liquid by his bed. His breath smelled of the same liquid. They gave a single drop to a cat, and that cat dropped dead. John would soon follow. Finally, Kate had accomplished her mission. This is on December 20th, 1820. John Bell had died. So everyone knew he was poisoned. But why? By whom? Who did this? They looked at one another. You know, was it the sons? Was it the wife? Was it the daughters? Somebody clearly had switched his medicine up. No, no. It's a very loving family. But Kate audibly took credit. No. Stating aloud that she had finally ended John Bell. I switched his medicines and Mm. ended him for good. It was believed that he had been poisoned by Kate and Kate took full credit for his death. At his funeral... Laughter, cursing, and singing were heard. Things were quiet for a while afterwards, until the daughter Betsy became engaged to Joshua Gardner. Then it got going again. The witch begged her not to marry Joshua. In March of 1821, Betsy broke off her engagement with Joshua Gardner, and the witch was gone. In 1824, Betsy Bell actually ended up marrying the local school teacher, Richard Powell, who was straight up her teacher when she was in school. Whoa. It was like old AF. Whoa. Like not okay. But was that the only person that the, the nope. witch was like okay with? Well, she just didn't want her to, for some reason to marry this Joshua Gardner yeah. character. Apparently, so 1821, she said, I'll be back in seven years, was the story that the witch said she would return in seven years. In 1828, she did return for a few short weeks. She came to visit the home of John Bell Jr., and had long walks with him and talked oh, about the past, no. present, and the future. Kate told him there was a very good reason for, for his father's death, but she did not divulge the secret. After that, she stated that she would return in 107 years, but many believe that she never left the area. So that's kind of the Bell's story. You could extrapolate the evidence that you're given and say John Bell had a stroke, became increasingly incapacitated, demented 
had trouble swallowing, became weaker and weaker because he was unable to take in nourishment. Which is all symptoms of strokes. Right. Eventually poisoned himself to die as a suicidal act. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I can buy that 100%. Absolutely, yeah. Then there are a lot of people who talk about Betsy Bell and say that she suffered from like almost, um, what do they call it? Like a poltergeist disorder or something they called it. Basically, she was just like super attention seeking so that so she tried all to of her shit of her was way. actually lies. So patholo- pathological liar plus. Right. So they think all her shit's lies and then her dad was just sick. So if you go through history, like that's like kind of the story that you could get, but the property continues Mm -hmm. to have its own lore, if you will. Yeah. A man who owned the property later named Bill Eden would actually allow people to come and tour the, the grounds. And most importantly, he would allow them to tour the cave. So there is a cave on the property. So growing up, I always heard about the Bell Witch Cave. It's the Bell Witch Cave, the Bell Witch Cave, the Bell you Witch Cave. You know what? I, I don't know much about the Bell Witch, but I have heard Bell Witch Cave. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually, it's on the property where the Bell Farm once stood. The cave is approximately 500 feet long and sits on a bluff overlooking the Red River. Many believe that Kate took sanctuary there after she departed from the Bells. Another story is that the cave is actually the entrance where Kate enters to the, into this world. In one legend, young Betsy Bell, along with some friends, went adventuring in the cave, and a young boy crawled into a hole and got stuck. And it was said that a voice cried out, I'll get him out, and that the young boy felt hands pull him out of the hole, after which they all received a lengthy lecture from Kate on the dangers of exploring caves. So Bill Eden, uh, Bill Eden actually ended up owning the property much later after the family, and he would actually allow people to come into the property and take tours of the cave. He himself has had numerous experiences on the property and within the cave. He says that he has heard footsteps and that he has seen a mist or rather like a solid looking white apparition that floats. He even talks about one instance in which he saw a young woman get slapped to the ground. Yeah. So he said that he was giving a tour and there was one killer, like, woman, like, a young lady, who was sort of shit-talking and was like, yo, this place is bullshit, All like, right. there's nothing here. And then she's walking out, and she was walking right in front of him, and that she got knocked down in front of him. And then when he tried to pick her up, it was difficult to pick her up. So, and in another story, a group I of- feel sorry, not really. Another story, a group of soldiers from Fort Campbell, which is- Oh, Yeah. You know, where I grew up. My grandfather was actually (laughs) stationed there. Yeah. So Fort Campbell, Kentucky, home Mm -hmm. of the Screaming Eagles. So a group of soldiers from Fort Campbell were visiting and that one of the young men discussed his disbelief in ghosts. And then later when they were going to leave, they found that he was unable to stand, unable to breathe. He said that he felt like he had a pair of strong arms wrapped around his chest. Bill Eden, who was the owner, turned around and said that the young man was stuck on the floor begging for help. He looked sweaty and cold as if he was going into shock. They eventually got him out of there. And when they left, he was singing a very different tune. He was like, I will never fucking come back here. There's a lot of stories about when people go there, if they're non-believers, that Mm -hmm. they leave believing this area. He also, <laughs> Bill Eaton actually always also wondered how people actually found it. 
the cave because Mm -hmm. it actually wasn't on any maps at the time. It wasn't publicized. It was all literally, it was just the stuff of legend legends, directions that were given from father to son, from older sister to younger sister, just local legend. Yeah. So growing up for me, the the cave was the attraction, right? Mm -hmm. It was like the bell, Witch cave. It was all the bell, Witch cave. I went there when I was about 13, maybe 12 or 13. It's hard to remember, but when I was a little girl, we always talked about it, the Bell Witch Cave and the Bell Witch. And it was things that we talked about, slumber parties. It was like our local ghost and our legend. Mm-hmm. And my mom took me there when I was about 13. I didn't have any experiences, but I was like a snot-nosed teenager rolling my eyes. Who gives a fuck, right? But she said that she did have experiences. She felt like her hair was pulled when she was there. But she was... You know, my mom was, like, always more spiritual than I was. I was mm-hmm. certainly the cynical one of the two of us. Um, she was more in tune with that kind of thing. In 1993, the Kirby family took over. And it wasn't long before they came to find out that something just wasn't right about the property. They heard strange noises without explanation. They said that there was a Native American burial ground, which is documented, that was actually just above the mouth of the cave. So there's like the cave (laughs) and then there's a Native American burial ground. So one of the predominant legends around the cave is that you should never take items from the cave. Don't take rocks. Don't take anything. Mm -hmm. And if you do, bad luck will follow you. That's kind of the deal. Yeah. Okay. So it actually, they find that it kind of stems from this story in which a highway was being built nearby and they found the bones of a young woman, presumably Native American being buried From, there and they decided to bury her inside the cave not above or around like no people. to re to reinter her inside the cave okay so they did so so they put her bones back inside the cave and then they were very swiftly taken by trespassers and all of the trespassers who took the bones of that person met with serious misfortune and injuries to their bodies and like bad luck very quickly within like the next like couple of months that passed after they took the bones to their bodies. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about hauntings. If you're going to talk about something that's causing bodily harm, you're talking about a poltergeist, right? Yeah. So what do you talk about in, in terms of like bodily harm? Yeah. So for the people who left, they got into car accidents. They fell and broke legs Things like that. The people who had left with the bones of the Native and, and American just so girl. happened to be those exact people. Yeah. With those exact um, remnants of I mean, the lady. I don't know. Like, if I, if I snuck into a cave, stole a human bone. First of all. And I then mean, hurt myself within three days. You're going to be like, fucking stole the bones. I fucking stole a bone from a cave. I deserve this shit. Right? Anyway, fucking weird. There's no really good ending. It go- goes on. Now it's a huge tourist attraction. Mm. Like they oh, rent canoes and like the family that, that purchased it now, they're really into it. It wasn't as easy when I was a kid to go there. There's always something promoting something weird and something ghostly and something fun because it, it is fun. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, ghost hunting is fun, yeah. right? You go and you do it and you do it because you hope to see something that you've never seen before and you really mm-hmm. hope that there's a little more. And 
I mean, I think that ideally we want to see that there's some hope for something after. Absolutely. We were right? hoping to go there and find something. We're hoping to go there and have some of type course. of experience. I mean, we're some skeptical bitches and you uh, and I have had uh, some, we've, we've had some experiences. Absolutely. So, absolutely. You know? And I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for people going out there and trying to find their own experience because absolutely it's, it's like I said, it is fun. And then whether you're experiencing something or not, it's something to talk about afterwards. Yeah. It's like I read this story and I think it's two centuries mm-hmm. of this tale and this story. And you just think, is it mass hysteria? All of these people, people came from far and wide. People traveled hundreds of miles to be witness to this event not by this just, spirit. Not just all these people. Multiple outsiders, the neighbors came and saw it. Andrew Jackson came and saw it. I can't get over the volume of historic documents that mm-hmm. document hearing her voice. I think there are very few hauntings Ooh. in American history that have as much written documentation about people actually witnessing and hearing the voice of a spirit. And you were, as you were talking about her, you talked about her like she was part of a character in your story. Like, not just a ghost, not just yeah. a witch, not just anything. Because You're that's just like, that's what happened. She became part of almost she's like, like oh, part yeah, of the community. Yeah, she came over here and she talked to the Bell's people. Witch. And she came over here and she talked to this person. And right. she talked over here. I'm like, whoa. Like, yeah. I don't know. I grew up hearing this story and I still, to this day, as the wildest skeptic, I believe nothing and I feel like I can always figure out the story. And I just cannot figure this one out. I mean, you're talking about like Andrew fucking Jackson. I know. That is a credible source if there ever was one. I mean, I just think that there's got to be more to the story that we're missing. Yeah. And like what you said, like maybe like she's a daughter or somewhat like the daughter of somebody or, you know, like he tried to buy like the daughter of this guy and then. Because he he tried to buy her, then, like, the wife, Kate, like, got mad. And then also, was it just a mass hysteria that caused people to be like, well, if you hear a thing, I hear a thing. Because, Robin, you and I have been on ghost hunts, and we absolutely know about that mass hysteria. Once someone says they hear something, Mm -hmm. other people will agree to it. It's so weird to me that this is such a prevailing, intense, like, piece of folklore and it piece of tennessee history it's just interesting to me that it's never and really been disproven nothing, yeah. and there's nothing there's nothing no well i hope you enjoyed it i did all right so the story of the bell witch does it have the ring of truth or not just another notorious narrative have a show idea send it on over to us along with any questions comments or corrections to notorious narratives at gmail.com you can follow us on our Instagram at Notorious Narratives and Twitter at Notorious Tales. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Every review helps other listeners to find us. Thanks so much.